The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Exciting news. As you know, Tossed Popcorn now has merch in partnership with TeePublic. Now through January 31st, we are throwing our very first design competition. We want you, our fans, to submit designs based on a very special prompt. The prompt? Horse in cinema. The creator of the winning design will receive some free merch, a shout out on our show, and we'll use your design in our Tossed Popcorn merch. Again, that prompt is Horse in Cinema. Please check our socials for submission and formatting details. Submissions are open now through Monday, January 31st and can be emailed to tossedpopcorn at gmail.com. Thank you. We love you. Horse! Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I, if you can believe it, am Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th anniversary edition. Oh, this podcast? It's a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies and don't care about them. Today, we're watching To Kill a Mockingbird. My Lord, Stephanie almost gave me a heart attack. Number 25 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this legal film. <laughs> a content warning that this film deals with racism and sexual assault. An additional content warning for the historical context that uh, we'll be talking about Jim Crow laws, uh, lynchings, 
and we'll be using the word uh, rape during that segment. Sienna. Liana. Have you ever killed a mockingbird? <laughs> Not recently. Oh, did you know anything about this movie going into it? I had read the book as well in the past, mm-hmm. though you know how that goes uh-huh. <laughs> for me. Well, let's find out in your prediction of To Kill a Mockingbird. Hey, Liana. It's Sienna. I'm about to watch To Kill a Mockingbird. I read this book, I think. (laughs) It's about the South, because Mm. a lot of things are about the American South. Ah. On this American film list. (laughs) Weird. I remember a dog getting shot. Oh. And, uh, you know, I think the movie's probably going to be pretty boring, if I'm being perfectly honest. Let's check this thing out. Bye-bye. Okay, I mean, initial responses. I want to thank you for the reference to check this kid out, the Disney Channel segment of our youths. The thing that you remembered from To Kill a Mockingbird was that a dog gets shot. It is the first thing that I that came to mind. I remember that well from the book. I, I also remembered there was a, a court case, the, the Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. But it just felt so obvious. Why would I say it? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you say it? <laughs> Shall we listen to yours? Yeah, here's mine. Hi, Sienna. Oh, sorry, I'm yawning. Hang on. Oh, sleepy. Oh, good morning. Yeah. Oh, holy yawn. Hi, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I've seen this movie before. We watched it in middle school in, during assembly or something, and there's something about, like, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and stop being racist. But also everybody in the movie, or almost everybody in the movie, is white. <laughs> okay. Love you, bye. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Pretty good. You watched it in assembly. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know what your middle school experience was. Ours was mostly like we would have assemblies and everyone had to watch the same movie. <laughs> but yeah, we I think we'd all like read it in the seventh grade and then all the English classes gathered in the auditorium and watched Gregory Peck. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> Liana, Liana and I both just in real time noticed the pun. Star of To Kill a Mockingbird, Gregory Peck. Wow. Wow. What a treat. Podcast so, over. I mean, podcast. Thank you everyone so much for listening. <laughs> we figured it out. We figured out this movie. <laughs> Sienna, how would you summarize? For, the, the, for the, the sweet casual listener who has not either read the book or seen the movie or just doesn't remember. Here's a summary of To Kill a Mockingbird. Two children, Scout and Jem, learn about life, the law, and their poor, racist, Depression-era, Jim Crow-era Alabama town through watching their white savior father mm-hmm. attempt to white save the falsely accused Tom Robinson. Also, in addition to that... Boo Radley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there you go. It's from the children's perspective, in a lot of ways, their father, Atticus. Atticus Finch. 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 Oh my god. Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, that one's on purpose, obviously. But is that why they cast Gregory Peck? Yeah. I mean, surely. Well, Liana, is there any history to accompany this particular book or story or time? <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hey, hey besties. <laughs> Welcome to the historical context of To Kill a Mockingbird. This was a film 
uh, based on a book. And that book was written by a woman. Yeah. Very brave. The movie came out in 1962. The book itself came out in 1960. Harper Lee wrote this book. It won the Pulitzer Prize in 1961. It's considered to be semi-autobiographical. Harper Lee, apparently as a child, was a tomboy, had a lawyer father, and played with a childhood friend who was abandoned by their parents. Cute. Also, that friend was Truman Capote. I actually knew that. God damn it. It's okay. I was so excited to tell you that and have you be like, huh, what? Sorry. There's it's a Christmas fine. movie about him. The book itself is set in 1932, in the 1930s, in Depression era, sort of a kind of general southern state. And a bit about the 1930s. As we've learned from many previous episodes, the Depression was yes. going on. The Dust Bowl yes. was happening. And I can't talk about either of those. We don't have time. Just remember those fun, fun facts from previous episodes or go listen to them again. Jim Crow laws were in effect in the U.S. from the 1880s to the 1960s. They also, here's the thing to note, they were not unique to the South, which I think a lot of people nowadays consider them to be like an American South thing, which is another monolithic treatment of the American South. But a majority of American states implemented some form of Jim Crow laws or another. During this time, there were a lot of lynchings and there were a lot of lynchings that were motivated by the false concept of white purity contrasted against the brute caricature, which is where black men were seen as like hypersexualized and violent and dangerous. And the white people said, oh my gosh, we have to protect our white women, our, our pure sort of virginal, innocent white women from these men. Um, most white victims were raped by white men during this era of a lot of black men being falsely accused of rape by white women. In 1931 specifically is when the Scottsboro trials occurred. This is where we really dive into the weaponization of white fear and the way in which ugh, it's just, uh, okay. This trial is considered to be what inspired the trial in To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. And most of the historical context segment is this. Because it is a long, just agonizing story. In March of 1931, a fight broke out on a train, like a freight train that people would ride back and forth during the Depression and try to get from like one city to another, etc. A fight broke out and uh, nine black teenagers were arrested and then falsely accused of raping two white women who had been on the train. <sighs> The teenagers, the nine teenagers, they, the age range, they were between 13 and 19 years old. They were kids. They oh. were children. God, that's so sad. When they were arrested, the Alabama National Guard had to be called in to prevent lynching when an angry white mob gathered outside the jail that they were being detained in, which you see a reflection of that in the movie, in that scene where Atticus is camped outside reading to protect Tom from the white mob that shows up. So that was March of 1931 is when they were accused and arrested. In April of 1931 was the first set of trials. First set of trials. There was an all-white, all-male jury that convicted the nine teenagers and sentenced eight of them to death. The trial of the youngest, who was 13-year-old Leroy Wright, ended in a hung jury and a mistrial was declared. And Leroy Wright ended up being imprisoned until 1937, waiting for the verdict of his co-defendants to come through. That is six years which means he was 19 by the time he was in his entire teenage life. Oh, okay. The International Labor Defense, or the ILD, ended up taking the case. 
after April of 1931. In June of 1931, the court granted the boys a stay of execution pending their case appeal to the Alabama Supreme Court. Then the ILD, the International Labor Defense, spearheaded a national campaign to help free the nine kids. Again, these were literally children and kind of rallied the nation and gained the attention of the country to see this injustice that was being done to these nine black children. Okay, that was June 1931 that they got a stay of execution. March of 1932, the Alabama Supreme Court upholds the convictions of seven of the nine defendants, meaning nothing was changed. They were still convicted of raping two white women. In November of 1932, the case went to the Supreme Court. And in the case Powell v. Alabama, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Scottsboro defendants had been denied the right to counsel, which violated their right to due process under the 14th Amendment. This overturned the Alabama verdicts. It set a legal precedent for the right of Black Americans to adequate counsel. And then the Supreme Court ended up remanding the case to the lower courts, which actually was not <laughs> helpful. So the precedent that that set was a good thing, the remanding of the case, eh, because then there was a second round of trials that oh. took place in Decatur, Alabama. During that round of trials, one of the two white women recanted her original testimony and agreed to testify on behalf of the defense. And medical evidence refuted the rape charge that both of the women had put forth back in 1931. In spite of both of those things, one of the women fully taking back what she, her accusation and evidence proving that it, neither of them had been raped an all-white jury once again convicted the first defendant, Powell, and recommended the death penalty. Oh my then the judge ended up granting them a new trial, and then two of them were sentenced to death. The new trial ended up happening in late 1933. So at that point, it's been over two years since their original arrest. Then we skip to January of 1935. So again, there were like many appeals, and then in another, a second U.S. Supreme Court hearing in the ruling Norris v. Alabama, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that systematic exclusion of black people on Jackson County jury rolls had denied a fair trial to the Scottsboro defendants. The NAACP ended up joining the ILD to form the Scottsboro Defense Committee and again, like, kind of rallied the nation. In the end, Clarence Norris, the charges were dropped. Charlie Weems was convicted of rape and sentenced to 75 years in prison. Haywood Patterson was convicted of rape and sentenced to 75 years in prison. Again, these are wrongful convictions. Olin Montgomery, the charges were dropped. Ozzie Powell was convicted of assaulting a sheriff and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Willie Roberson, the charges were dropped. Eugene Williams, the charges were dropped. Andy Wright was convicted of rape and sentenced to 99 years in prison. And Roy Wright, the child who was 13 years old at time of arrest, the charges were dropped. Even those who were convicted and granted parole, those who'd been sentenced to a number of years in prison, when they got out on parole, they ended up back in prison because the system is so deeply fucked. That was in the 1930s. In 1976, Clarence Norris, one of the Scottsboro Nine, received a pardon from the governor of Alabama. And then in 2013, the Alabama Board of Pardons posthumously pardoned Charlie Weems, Haywood Patterson, and Andy Wright, wow. 80 years after their original arrest. It was, it was awful. It was just awful. Even those who, against whom the charges were dropped 
had still spent years in jail. I think one of them had asthma and this time that he spent in jail severely worsened that asthma and that eventually killed him. It, it so negatively impacted the lives of these nine men, all of whom were children at the time of their arrest. So that is sort of the foundation of To Kill a Mockingbird because the trial in the book and the movie is about a black man being wrongfully uh, accused of rape by a white woman. And that is a narrative that we see to this day in this country. We've seen it with the exonerated five who were the subjects of When They See Us, the Ava DuVernay series on Netflix, Walter McMillan, the man who Brian Stevenson's book Just Mercy focuses on the most, was wrongfully convicted of murdering a white woman. And both of those were like 1980s or 90s cases that spanned many decades up until now. That is why I was not super excited to do the historical context. Well, thank you for your research and for doing it. It very much sets the context for the film. I didn't know what it was based on. Now let's dive in to To Kill a Mockingbird itself. Yes. Oh, Sienna. Once again, we've done that thing where we gave each other our notes and Sienna, oh, you sweet friend, the first thing you wrote down... (laughs) which is exactly what I thought, <laughs> was we're in the child actor portion of the list, I see. Poor Liana. <laughs> what did you think of these ones? What did you think of these? I loved the pickle boy, Dill, in this one. Really? I loved Dill because he has the loudest face I've ever seen on a child. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> He's such a loud face. His knees are so big, and in Nubby. so many ways, he just is John Mulaney. Think about uh, it. I'm right. I am right. Uh, Okay. No, I am right. (laughs) Pre-scandal. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What's this hesitation? How did you look at that kid and not think, now that's John Mulaney? Because I don't have a John Mulaney-centric life. Well, his, much of his previous comedy was so much about his childhood. Yeah. And him being a precocious little, stupid little boy. I do often say, do you want to know why? He does have that energy. I see what you mean. He has the exact energy of Dill, who shows up in a cabbage patch, a literal cabbage patch, <laughs> and says, hey, just so you know, I can read. I can read, and if you need me to read anything, I can do it. What did he say? I'm little, but I'm old. <laughs> Such a weird flex. I know. <laughs> it was just so funny I'm to little? be like a door-to-door reading salesman who's like five. I didn't really love Scout. What? Scout and Jem's acting. I just was like, oh, boy. Jem's accent. Where was he from? The movie it is when they when we first meet Atticus, Atticus mm-hmm. Finch, the mm-hmm. lawyer man, daddy to these children. Jem is mad at his dad for not playing football. That's right. Jem against... is an all-American boy. He wants a gun and he wants his dad to play football with him. <laughs> I can't help that. I can't help that. Everybody else's accent is pretty like, you know, tasteful whatever. I mean, you know, Scouts is a little off, but his is Thick. This is like if you did a southern accent and then you overlaid a southern accent on top of it. <laughs> it's like our improv group trying to do like a farmer scene and it just being, we're all like, afterward we have to talk about what's offensive to rural communities. Somebody has said the wife back home and we have to have a discussion about gender in improv again. One place where I think we did miss the mark were those accents. Those accents and were bad. <laughs> this kid was putting it out too. Yeah. I can't help that. Yeah, just... <laughs> You are going to play football against the Methodists. <laughs> the Methodists. Yeah. Oh. Are you a child doing a southern accent on a movie? 
We'll be right back. <laughs> we started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. 
So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I see a note here from Liana. <laughs> Did he say Boo is 6'9"? I'm listening. (laughs) The hottest height for a man. A, tall. B, 69. (laughs) He's the height I want to do to him. (laughs) Yeah, Boo Radley, there's so much mystery around him. But early on, they're like, he's 6'9". And I was like, okay. Okay. I'm down. That sounds awesome. And the, I mean, all of the lore around him is leading us to believe he's a very haunted boy. Oh, yeah. We are going to have to save actually talking about him till a little later. We have to save it. There's much to be said, and we can't say it yet because the film does not reveal him. No. Until the very end. We'll reveal it when he reveals it. Stay tuned. Keep that suspense going. Stay tuned for a little treat at the end in which we discuss Boo Radley. What is it with ladies bathing in the past? When did this happen and why no more is what you've written? Just very early on when she's like, my town was hotter then. And oh, the ladies bathed the like men's once collars after lunch. Would, the men's collars would wilt and the ladies, they'd bathe and they'd powder themselves like tea cakes. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. I guess ladies were just bathing in the South. <laughs> Wait, what's your point here? Do you think they weren't bathing elsewhere? Because we talked about... What? She has slapped her hand to her face. I meant napping. (laughs) 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 They they took a bath and they napped. (laughs) One of those things is important because one of those came up in in a previous movie. (laughs) I chose the wrong one. I wrote it down wrong. It was a 50-50 chance on herbs and I did it. I convinced myself. You wrote about the shrill old woman. Oh, the shrill old woman who hates Scout. She absolutely hates Scout. She just wants to yell at anyone she can. Uh-huh. Mrs. DuBose. DuBose. I think. I really want to try an impression of it because I don't think I can get that shrill. Okay. Okay, you say hey to me. Hey, Mrs. Du- don't you say hey to me, you ugly girl! <laughs> old people then, they made them different. I love her. She'd been through so much. They just had a right to openly hate children in a way that we can't anymore. I could not stop thinking about in this movie also how just they didn't have medications the same way for (laughs) anyone. Yeah. So that affects Boo Radley, of course. Oh. mm -hmm. But that also affects just everyone in town in a way where they all want to kill the children. (laughs) (laughs) I think an unmedicated society. Oh my God. Kills the children. <laughs> Want to kill the children. There are so many adults trying to kill them. It's such an interesting yeah. story because everything seems dangerous to them. Like Boo Radley, for example, it's like he seems extra scary. Could he, He's like the boogeyman mm-hmm. and they're kids. So they think that. But there's also like tons of like drunk, angry farmers and, mm-hmm. and old women who hate them mm-hmm. and just dangerous, dangerous adults. Dangerous women in the words of Ariana Grande. Yeah. Something about you. You ugly girl! You ugly girl! Liana, here you have written, LOL, 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 sitting on a bench, quote, 
I miss my dead wife. I miss my dead wife so much. <laughs> that was most of Atticus in this movie. What? Here's, just, here's my impression of Atticus Finch. Okay. I've just tucked in my whatever child. I go outside. I sit on a bench. Oh, God, I miss my dead wife. <laughs> oh, my oh wife. I just miss her. Oh, my wife who's dead. She was so good and pure and now she's dead. I just bolted something that I forgot oh, okay. to bold earlier. Gregory Peck's voice is too low. If this was a matriarchal world, he would be the equivalent of shrill. If this were a world in which we yeah. valued the females and femininity more, mm-hmm. he would be what men call shrill now for women. He, yeah. His voice is too low. It's uh-huh. hard. I, I couldn't pick up on it. That's like how men can't hear you. Exactly. Oh, wow. I was like, speak up. Raise that voice a little higher. I can't hear any of the emotion in your voice. You know, I bet we could have heard him better if he smiled more. (laughs) But he misses his dead wife so much. Do you have any more thoughts on Gregory Peck? He's a big... Honestly? Weirdly? No. (laughs) I was just like, whatever. Yeah, I don't have many takes either. There's so much else going on. (laughs) So Gregory Peck is Atticus Finch, who is again the white savior of the film. Yes, white savior daddy. Daddy. Did you notice at the very, very end when there was a, a picture of the mom on the mantle? It was no. the very last shot. And I laughed because I'm like, way to include it now. Yeah. The scene where the two siblings are asking, Scout's asking Jem because they're four years apart. Jem's four years older. And she's like, was mama blank, blank, blank? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. first thing she said is, was mama pretty? And Jem's like, yeah. And this is while Atticus is on his bench missing his dead wife. <laughs> oh, I miss her. I miss my dead wife. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple moments where I just was watching little scout internalizing misogyny i know you know her brother's like you're turning into more of a girl every day and you're like you're watching it sink in as she's like women are bad women are bad i hate myself i hate myself pants i should be different i will be in pants why did Jem slam against the door do you remember this i of course i remember this this was when i really got annoyed that we had to watch children again because they don't make any fucking sense Here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Jem puts his sister in a big tire. <laughs> that rolls. I did love. I loved just yeeting a child down the street. It's fun to see what they play with in this. I know. The they're so few... so fucked up. It's, I mean, it's like no wonder that children died constantly. They're like, we'll get in this big old tire, which I could not figure out what vehicle it went to. One it of those so... old big bikes. It was gaping and, and skinning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Scout's in a gaping hole. Scout is placed into a gaping tire. Jeb, Jeb, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush arrives. Jem rolls that tire directly towards the house. And then as it gets closer to the house, Jem and Dill freak out going, it's going to hit the house. That house is Boo Radley's house. Yeah. It, boom, collides with the house and they freak out because mm-hmm. Boo Radley, the boogeyman of their town, yeah. he's going to get them. He's like, so. Scout, get away! Get away! Scout! Get away! Scout! <laughs> <laughs> he runs over. He grabs Scout. Mission accomplished. He did it. And then... He kind of thro- tosses Scout aside and runs up the porch to the front door and kind of just smacks it. He kind of just he Dustin Hoffman's it. He slams his whole... <laughs> he Dustin Hoffman's he it. He elaines the door. Boo! Boo! Do you think that's what ghosts are doing? Oh! <laughs> They're just trying to... <laughs> trying to, like, marry you? <laughs> so he slams himself against the door and then runs away. And that was one of the questions. I had a few questions. I thought it, I thought it was maybe, like, a ding-dong ditch. Maybe earlier in the film they were like, I dare you to touch the front door. You know he touched the butt from uh, Finding Nemo? Yeah. I thought it was a, a butt touch. This is what I'm going to accept as the answer. 
for this. Thank you. No, we're no. going to go with listeners. Yeah. Here's the answer. Here's what happened. We figured it out. Yeah. Here's what happened in the words of Adrian Monk. Yeah. We are, we're going to say that the reason he body slams the door is because he's trying to touch the butt, finding Nemo style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Touch the door. All yeah. right. That's the answer. Oh my God. There you go. A butt. <gasps> Good butt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you wrote about this because I really need to talk about this too. And I'm glad that you wrote it in the way that you wrote it, which is... <laughs> Liana writes, imagine walking out of your home (laughs) to find children spitting on your fence. (laughs) They're trying to... At nighttime, they're trying to go see Boo Radley or something. They're trying to sneak through the gate and the gate creaks. And so Jem is like, you two spit on the hinge. (laughs) They take turns. Let's give an audio experience of Um, what the scene is. Ready? So Jem has just said, spit Spit on it. Spit on it. Okay. You walk out of your home and that is happening at the bottom of your fence hinge. <laughs> what do you do? That's basically the ethics movies that we were watching in middle school. What would you have done? What would you do if children were spitting on your hinge? <laughs> there are children spitting on my hinge. Okay, also, just generally about this movie, I did not find it super cringy in a lot of ways as it could have been mm-hmm. again like the the bar is low mm-hmm. but in terms of a, a white savior story like he doesn't end up saving right anyone it's like it which was really sad i it's sad that it was not a happy ending and i was upset about that but also it would have been so dishonest had it mm-hmm. been I, I was able to watch it at this point in my life as a, a kind of nuanced representation of this story like the the white savior guy it wasn't all about him yeah i get that my takeaway from it was it really to kill a mockingbird feels very much like teaching white people about racism uh-huh. comfortably yes. where the the super racist people in the film who are out to try and kill Tom Robinson are kind of like caricatures of people. They don't come across as like real people and they've all got like quite intense Southern accents and Atticus has this sort of like mid Atlantic trending yeah. toward British accent and is like educated and whatever. And yeah. so it just, it, it appeals right to that sweet spot of like the white comfortable intellectual. Yes. Who's like, yes, that's right. Racism was bad, but then it ended. Right. And we are so blessed. And that's me. If and I had been there, I would have done exactly what he did. That's right. I would have been one of the good ones. Right. Let's talk about, you said, find the, okay, they find little carvings of themselves in mm. the little like owl nook mm-hmm. in the tree between their house and booze. Yeah. What would you put in your knot hole? <laughs> Is the question that you have posed. <laughs> I love this. So is this like, I am trying to befriend my neighbors and I'm trying yeah. to like... Yeah, let's take the problematic them. like children aspect out yeah, of it. Yeah. Maybe like trying to make a new friend. Yeah. Like an acquaintance who you want to become friends with, but you're not sure quite yeah. how. So you're leaving them little objects in a, right. in a tree nook. <laughs> oh, I know what I would do. Okay, what I would bake do? something. I'd bake something and I'd leave that in the little... Oh. Kind of... um. What's that witch who traps the children? Hansel and Gretel, is that it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just Hansel and Gretel them, but for a friendship. I wouldn't eat them. Listeners, by the way, Liana is very good at baking. Yeah. She's really good at it. It's almost a curse, it seems. It is what it is. Okay, what would you put in your knot hole? Mm. What would I put in my knot hole? <laughs> your gaping knot hole. <laughs> what would you put in it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, based on the things I have now, what would I have to offer to somebody? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, my, my life is such a mess. 
The first things I thought of was maybe I'd offer them like a sample of my really nice uh, shampoo and conditioner that I have. (laughs) (laughs) It's like really nice. Is that for them to be able to do their own hair care routine or to be like, here's what I am up to? For them to use. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice, right? I don't know. Boo! We'll be right back. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I am seeing in your notes, I have the same feeling of, there's not much to say about this court scene. Yeah. It's just Atticus does his white male speech uh-huh. as a lawyer. He's like, do your duty. The white male jury does not. Yeah. And the big feeling that I had watching this was like, this just is depressing. Because this is from a court case, you know, allegedly, what, 89 years ago? Mm-hmm. And nothing has changed. I know. There's a part where he's appealing to this white jury. Mm. And he says, in our courts, all men are created equal. Ah. And I wrote, ha! <laughs> I also had a ha moment. Atticus respects the judicial system like way too much for him to be. That's like his most problematic thing is that mm. he actually believes that the court system in America works. Yeah, yeah. Atticus says, I believe in this country, our courts are the great levelers. I was like, bitch, no, they're not. They're fully stacked. <laughs> That's the opposite of level. <laughs> the one thing I didn't remember from the book, I remember the kind of bullet point outlines of the, the narrative. I did not remember the jury's verdict is that he's guilty. I forgot that the jury finds him guilty. And we've already talked about it. I, I do appreciate that they kept the truth of that. I couldn't remember how it ended either. Yeah. So I, during I the somehow, court. I remember that Tom Robinson dies after the trial, but my memory of it was that he was found not guilty and then it was very tragic that he died because he was going to be able to go free. I don't know why my brain was like, I literally like whitewashed the story. <laughs> In my memory, I was like, it was great. Atticus saved him, but then he dies. Like Atticus's wife. (laughs) Yeah, I also didn't remember how it ended, so I was kind of hanging on the edge of my seat. It's also, it's just so weird. I get that, I guess this is because it's the child lens thing, but to go from from that trial scene and finding out about Tom Robinson's death to Scout is a ham? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I remembered the ham as well. Too. I, I remember. Not. I've seen that around, and it came up, and I'm like, "This is oh my gosh!" There's still movie. I know it's Halloween or something. <laughs> to to try and graph the narrative arc of this story, it's like Boo Radley's very spooky. Then a full beginning, middle, end of a trial and a case. Then Halloween. <laughs> then Boo Radley. <laughs> yeah. Which can we? You see me averting, not trying not to look at you. I think we're there. Okay, listeners, y'all. The suspense is over. We've been Liana and I have been trying not to talk about Boo Radley this whole time. Every time his name has come up, we've tried not to look at each other. Boo Radley's hot. He's, as hot. Well. <laughs> He's so hot. Oh my god. Oh. Oh my god. This was the craziest 11th hour <laughs> shift. A Hail Mary. 
this movie. So, again, okay. the court case happens, right. and then the children are out in the woods. They get attacked. When oh the drunk longhand man. Yes. They get attacked. They get saved by a mysterious force, because Cow can't see anything because she's a ham, and Jen is a Victorian ghost. I don't know. <laughs> and then... And, and then they get back to... Jem is now... Someone has carried him away. Some mysterious shadow. And... Which, of course, is Boo. And then Jem is in bed. The doctor's there. So, you know, they're in the room tending to Jem. And they say, oh, but who saved him then? Where is that man? Where is that man? Um, Scout. Uh, Scout. Scout goes, it's that man right there. There he is. And we see... The door closes. A, there's, a, there's a torso in shadow. We don't see their face. The door slowly closes and outsteps the most hot man on the list so far. Why did they do that? Why was he so hot? What casting choice? What was the point? I bet a man directed this and just didn't get it. He didn't get that this man being so hot made no sense. <laughs> We're like, we've been hearing about him this whole time and... Okay, Liana's notes about this were <laughs> in all caps. All of these are in, these are all all caps. She goes, "Ha ha! Oh no, Boo Radley is hot." This film explains why I am the way I am so much. <laughs> oh, Sienna, no. Why did they make Boo Radley a chiseled Scandinavian Adonis? He's so chiseled. His jawline could cut glass. I'm gonna Google a picture of him right now because I haven't actually looked at him since watching. The movie. Actually, will you read mine? Because okay. there's something important that we haven't addressed yet about him. Wait, Boo Radley is Robert Duvall. <laughs> I cannot get over how hot Boo Radley is. Oh my god! Why did they make Boo Radley hot? Why? Who's I Robert Duvall? Robert Duvall was. In The Godfather. No. He was the no, blonde guy. No, 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 no. The one who I said was the dad from Kicking and Screaming. Was he Tom? The he was Tom. Consigliere? Mm -hmm. Oh, no! No, it's okay. He was very hot as a youth. No, because he had really hairy shoulders. Wait, no, that was the other guy. Oh, God. I'm going to Google him. Also, I was like, nobody was that hot in the 1930s. Nobody looked that okay. good during the Depression. We do need to explain him a little more, so you can pull up a photo. But he's sort of, he looked like an L.A. fuckboy a little bit. He's got like this bleach blonde hair. He literally looked like a Swedish Olympian. <laughs> a Justin Bieber, <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, uh, looks so hot. Like, just so hot. I, guys, we can't. Oh my God. <laughs> I've just seen him again. <laughs> He looks so tired, which I love. Why did they make him this hot? I really, I really, maybe, and I don't think this is it. It was an early days statement on prejudice against uh, people with mental illness. Yeah. They were like, you know what? Mentally ill people can be super hot too, which is the purpose of TikTok these days. Wait, I do love this reading that they decided to be like, bet you didn't expect that, did ya? <laughs> Sorry, haters. Boo Radley's hot as hell. Actually, Boo Radley is super hot. Mm. Boo Radley summer. <laughs> hot Boo Autumn. Hot Boo Autumn. <laughs> hot Boo Autumn. That's the book. Hot Boo Autumn. That's the end of the movie. Hot Boo Autumn. I can't stop saying that. Hot Boo Autumn. Hot Boo Autumn. Hot Boo Autumn, everybody. Um, um, Santa, would you please read my last note? Yes. Liana's last note is, I have to imagine the town women are absolutely throwing ass for Atticus Finch. Right, though? 
Yes. Like, surely. Absolutely. The one lawyer in the town who's from the middle of the Atlantic? Every woman would have been throwing ass. A hundred percent. I would have thrown ass. Yeah. Until I saw Boo. And I would have taken that ass back and tossed it his way. Okay, I know that we're probably... Tossed (laughs) ass. New podcast. (laughs) Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, sorry, but that is the end of the movie. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It does end with a hot... Hot guy, and then fade to black. I don't know what to tell you. So, Liana, shall we move on to our next segment, which, of course, is Badges and Trages, where we tell you badges, things that we thought were good about this film, and trages, things that we found tragic. Mm -hmm. I got a badge for a woman narrator. I like hearing a woman's voice. You don't hear much in these movies. That's a great point. Yeah. Oh, I have a badge for children playing with whatever the F crosses their path. They were really, they were playing with tires. They were clinging onto trees. They were hanging on the, the railings of the courtroom, yeah. or of, the, of the courthouse. They would really use anything that they could. That's right. That's the past. Mm. I have a badge for a teddy bear. Scout has a teddy bear uh, when she's like, Jem, was our mom hot? And he's like, don't worry. Yes. <laughs> I got a badge for characters bowing their heads in shame. These were, of course, children. <laughs> when the children are caught looking into so the window of the courthouse the first time. They hang their heads down low because they're feeling shame. And that's children acting. <laughs> I have a badge for, I'm late! And then running so fast that you break the screen door. I have a badge for using the word consent in 1932. I noticed that as well. Uh, they knew about it. They, they knew, knew about consent. Which, in a way, depressing. Boys, you've known forever. <laughs> what the fuck? I have a badge for a tiny tie. When they go to the first day of school, Jem is wearing a very teeny tiny tie. Wow. And it's hilarious. I have a badge just shout out to the black actors in this mm. movie. I liked Calpurnia was like their sort of mom stand in. And then I looked him up. Brock Peters was the one who played Tom Robinson and he gave an Oscar. Well, That's I, great. I don't know if it's actually they've got an Oscar nominee or whatever, but he gave he acted his ass off in that scene. So anyway, and I'll, then I'll say through it for Boo Radley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. OK, I have a badge for screenplay by Horton Foote. No. <laughs> yeah. Horton hears a foot. My last badge is also for Tom Robinson's acting. Mm. I thought he was very, very good. But it segues right into trages, the things that we found tragic. Which, the first trage is, why can't we... Okay, in so much media, including modern day media, when you see a black character on screen, you instinctively feel worried for them. Because so much depiction of black characters is them going through some form of hardship rather than just getting to, like, exist and live their lives. And that's exactly what this movie was. Like, any black character you see on screen, you feel worried for. Totally. 100%. That's why when these movies, it's like, well, they didn't do that bad of a job, and maybe he's not the most white savior, the most problematic white savior character. The film is still such a white savior of a film. Yeah, it's a white savior film. (laughs) And that it's like, no black people get to have a good time at all in this. I have a tragedy for, it is insane to me that children get to have their own rooms. That's just a crazy part of our society. Why do they need that? What are, what are they doing in there? <laughs> do you, did you share a room growing up? I shared a room till I was in eighth grade. Wow. And But like, what did I need a room for? I didn't need privacy till I was like 14, just so that I could sit with my thoughts. You know, I didn't have thoughts. Who'd you share a room with? Your sister? Yeah. Jem's mm. room? scout's room that's not theirs they don't own anything i mean as an older brother younger sister no one else situation i get it ben and i would have killed each other <laughs> i got a trash for the mom is always dead yep my dead wife what's it called freezing there's like a term for that 
killing the wife at the beginning. Freezering? Fridging. Fridging. I have a trage for use of the N-word. That It's in this film a lot. Mm-hmm. That's just a tragic part of the movie. Yeah. Trage for shooting a dog. Mm. I couldn't watch that scene. Sorry about that. Oh, here's a real significant trage for me. Trage for a moment where a very wise child saves the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Specifically a white little girl. Is not a scout at the jail? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Scout at the jail. That was a freaking hilarious scene for me. A mob Mm -hmm. gathers around the jail where they are keeping Tom Robinson before his trial. Mm -hmm. This mob gathers. And of course, the children run up to be with Atticus. Little Scout doesn't know what's happening, but she sees somebody she knows in the crowd. And she's like, I know you. Remember when you brought me those things and I I talked to you? Mr. McAllister, I, I know your son. And then McAllister Catholic hangs his head in shame mm-hmm. and won't look at her. He's like, oh, I feel bad that this kid is seeing me be a racist. Children are wiser than all of us because all they can understand is you're supposed to treat people real nice. Mm. Okay, everyone. Now it is time for our segment, How to Pretend. You've seen this film. This is for you are at the Scholastic Book Fair. Thank you. Dill? Jeb, Jeb is coming up to you. With the loudest face. The loudest face. Weirdly quiet boy, but so annoying. He's saying, um, I actually really like him. Uh, what? I actually really like Jeb. Oh, to Kill a Mockingbird, um, that book that you're looking at, at the Scholastic Book Fair, um, they actually made it a film, and um, uh, I watch it every night. <laughs> Have you seen it? And to get Jeb to please roll away in a tire. Yes. Here are some things that you can say to pretend you've seen the film To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. The way that the lens of childhood is used to soften and reframe difficult subjects in this book and this movie, I just found really, really brave. Jeb, is that you? Well, spit on my fence and fold your pants there. Call me a ham. (laughs) That was a perfect summary of the film. Thank you. Jeb, I just found it really powerful the way in which Boo was incredibly hot. Oh, at which point I Kool-Aid man burst through the wall and say, oh yeah. <laughs> Boo Radley. I'm so excited to have that image for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> okay, everyone. And now it is time to save you time through our segment, Should You Watch This? Or in which we tell you if we think you should watch this movie or if you do something else with your time. Sienna, any thoughts? Yes. When we were talking about how all these white savior films and how movies like this never leave any room for joy for the black community, Mm. it made me think on Instagram is the account Embracing Black Culture, which I don't want to like be a white person sitting in on black people having like a good time. I know. Yeah. But it's just like a great compilation account where they compile people's tweets and it's very joyful and funny, and it seems very focused on black joy. I don't know if it's my place to deliver, but that's one. I have a segue. Okay. If you want a story about black people being sad, but told by other black people, uh-huh. I would recommend, instead of reading or watching To Kill a Mockingbird, I think you should read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative and uh, is a lawyer who's dedicated to representing people and trying to get them off of death row. And Just Mercy is a story of many of those cases, and uh, one in particular takes up the main narrative of it. And it is very powerful, 
very present and uh, telling of this type of narrative through the lens of people of color. That's great. Okay, Liana, how would you rate this film? Uh, I don't really know. Like, I, I didn't really care about it. I, I didn't not. It's a school movie. You'd already seen it in school. It's a school movie. Yeah. The movie happened to me, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel changed by the end of it. Okay. I'm going to give this film two gaping tires <laughs> out of five. I'd give it a full one for the surprise hotness. <laughs> Boo Radley, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and really propelled me up out of my chair. Oh, that was silly. Now, you know, honestly, one gaping hole. <laughs> gaping tire. <laughs> gaping tire out of five. There's just better renditions of this this narrative out there. I guess 1.5, because 0.5 for perspective from a woman slash girl. Mm-hmm. And written by, or at least the book was, a woman. A woman. Sienna, how would you rate To Kill a Mockingbird? I would give this three bird puns out of five. Wow. I actually liked this movie. It was not um, unpleasant for me to watch. I was more compelled by it than I would think, and it was a lot less cringy than I thought. Again, mm. low bar, mm-hmm. but I'll take it. Also, it was not the worst court case scene it could have been. That's true. <laughs> wasn't too long. And seeing any sort of history through a childhood lens, I just found kind of interesting. So I'd give it a three out of five. Way to go. Okay, everybody, thank you so much. This was Toss Popcorn's episode on To Kill a Mockingbird. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> that mockingbird is hot. You can't kill it. Don't kill a hot mockingbird. Don't kill that hot mockingbird. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Again, we are all over social media at Tossed Popcorn. Um, we also sell merchandise now. Yeah. It's good. It's good merch. It is. We're actually really good at this, guys. Other things we're good at, if you like our podcast, we're also really good at memes. We post them every Saturday on Instagram and Twitter. Rate us five stars again if you like our show, if you like this podcast, if you like the concept of women in general. Um, you actually have to. You have to rate us five stars. Thank you. Yeah. Tune in next week when we will be watching... Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay. Ironically, I'm going to Washington this week. I saw you write that in the notes and I was like, are you? Because I thought DC. Everyone does. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. What do you say about Boofall? Hot Buatum? <laughs> Thank you. We love you. Hot Buatum! Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.